Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome back to an adventure in history. I'm Alana Quila with Providence Seaside Hospital here tonight with Mac Burns. How's it going? What it's a busy, busy weekend. Well, it's December. I know. How crazy is that? It feels like it. I know. It does. It's getting colder. I haven't windier. switched yet, though, from my rain jacket to my winter jacket. Oh, really? See, I <laughs> yeah. just said today I, I skipped my fall jackets. I went oh. from no jacket to winter. So wow. I think I'm out in it a little bit more. Probably. Yep. Carpool pickup. Yeah, you're yep. doing and you're doing the hiking all the time with the kids and everything. Yep. Rain or shine. Yeah. We <laughs> do. We had Festival of Trees this weekend. Oh wow. Yeah. That was good. Providence Excellent. Seaside Hospital Foundation put on a really nice event. Hope you made some money. Definitely. Yep. It's always for a good cause and, and good to sort of kick off that holiday spirit. Oh, and speaking of that, we have tea and plum pudding in the Flavelle House <gasps> every weekend. Love that. Every weekend. We're trying something new this year where we're doing it the entire month of December on the weekends. Okay. And how do I reserve a seat? You don't. You just show up. Oh, okay. First come, first served. At what time? Uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. And if we're full for some strange reason, you just tour the house. Okay. Oh. Isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful. So it's been two years since we've done this. Oh, so we're how excited. Nice. And we always think of Ray Go Forth at this time of year yes. when plum pudding, because she was plum pudding for, she was. for at least 372 years, I think. I don't know. <laughs> well, she did a lot of <laughs> other really important things, too. Well, she did. She the was our board president. Uniontown. Mayor yep. of Uniontown. She volunteered for us. She was yeah. our board president back in the 80s, and she kept us going. And tea and plum pudding was, was kind of her, I don't know if it was her brainchild, but she made all of the plum puddings for years. Oh, I love that. And we actually have some of her pans, so we still oh. use we use her recipe and we use her pans. So Good. she's always with us. So are you a fan of plum pudding? Um, well, of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> there was a deep pause it's, there. You know, it's, it's not, I wouldn't go out of my way, but it's charming and it seems kind of oldie timey. What is it? It's not pudding though. That's the wacky thing. It's it's kind of like a cake. Cake, yeah. But there's a really nice lemon sauce that goes on it. Mm. And uh, Sam Rasco, our uh, director of marketing, he makes this uh, kind of like whiskey, mm. a little, only for adults, um, <laughs> like a whipped sauce oh, that you nice. can get on it too, okay. which actually is quite delightful, I have to say. Okay, well, so, tea but, and plum pudding. But we, but we have KMUN royalty, I think. We do, I know, and you haven't heard her voice yet, but you will recognize it. Before you say your name, tell us what time we would hear you on KMUN. Well, every Friday from 3 to 4 p.m., you'll hear me, and every other Tuesday morning from 10.06 till noon, you can hear me too. That's Carol see, Newman. See, everybody knows. <laughs> That's everybody the knows. <laughs> Thank you and, so much. We're glad to have you on our show. Oh, I'm you, delighted. You've interviewed like everybody ever, so I thought this would be a fun change. We're going to interview it you is. and learn a little bit about you. I like it. Now I'll feel what it feels like, <laughs> including what plum pudding is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just learned something I should, new. I should have brought some I've so heard you sampled it. it on the Ooh, air. Oh, that sounds good. But, I just but, want the whiskey sauce now. The whiskey yeah, sauce. Exactly. It, it was a new addition right before. I think he did it just the first year before COVID, so it's only been out there once or maybe oh. twice. Although lemon sauce. Awesome. That sounds Ooh. good too. It is. It's Did really you good. say yeah. Saturday and Sunday? Saturday and Sunday. One o'clock. Yeah, wow. one o'clock. We're I'm there. there. Okay. So, yeah. 
All right. So let's get to, because this is going to be the best show ever. So let's get <laughs> to the history highlights, the things that happen tomorrow. Yep. So as always, icebreakers at work or uh, if you're going to trivia night or something. So these are things on December 5th, 1360. Ooh. F- I know. I don't go back that far you usually. like that. Because I am selfish. I admit it. I I like American history the most. And <laughs> Can't find, go back that far. I find no. enough. I mean, we can. Well, but of course. Not well, see, Native Americans. Uh, correct. Yes. yes. But, um, but 1360, the French franc is a, is created. Oh, okay. And now it's gone. <laughs> see, I was gonna. That's better. I was gonna make a joke about like, oh, I like them with ketchup on them, but oh, but she, nice. she yeah. is better. Oh. All right. Um, 1775. This is for me. Uh, 1775 at Fort Ticonderoga, Henry Knox, he's one of our guys, uh, begins his historic transport of artillery to Cambridge, Massachusetts. So not just because I ran the Ethan Allen homestead, but Fort Ticonderoga is incredibly important to American history. Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys, and then Benedict Arnold showed up a little bit later, sees Fort Ticonderoga. And that's what really kind of causes us to, we have to keep going on this American Revolution thing. Well, because once you seize the king's fort, seize his artillery, imprison his guys, but worse, when you drink his whiskey. <laughs> there it goes. Again. That's went, the problem. They went all out. But what I love about this is they, they stormed it to get the artillery to take it to Massachusetts. <laughs> and I, I always love, I had a history professor once that pointed out that we declared independence and declared war on the largest empire the world had ever seen. And we had exactly two cannon on our side at that point. Wow. <laughs> the audacity. Right. But they, they stormed Fort Ticonderoga to get some of the artillery. So, Power of words. Anyway, anyway yes. Uh, so moving on, because I know that was just for me. Hey, did the whiskey, oh. I, I heard something about whiskey. Is that where Sam got the idea? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, 1776, the first U.S. fraternity, Phi Beta Kappa, is oh. uh, formed at William and Mary College. Okay. That's now, not just any fraternity. See, I was going to ask members or my you father have relationships. To? My father was a member. Okay. Phi wow. Beta Kappa. Wow. That's the. Um, yeah, it's not. I, we don't consider it a fraternity because that's the scholastic. That's what I thought. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And you were in a sorority. Weren't I you? was, but we won't compare that to no. a. To <laughs> this the other. is different. Yeah. All right. Yes. From those. <laughs> All right. Uh, 1854. I didn't know that. Aaron Allen of Boston patents the folding theater chair. Oh. Whoa. What a genius. That was a good idea. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, I hope you made a lot of money. 1854. Uh, 1872, the Mary Celeste, a ship whose crew mysteriously disappeared, is spotted at sea. Mm. The mystery. Uh, 1929, the American League for Physical Culture in New York City is formed. Physical and do you know what that is? I was going to say, it must become something. It is the first U.S. nudist organization. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that one nope. coming. Nope. The, the nope. American League I thought for it was phys- dance. <laughs> the God. American League for Physical Culture in New York wow. City. Wow. Now, I'm stunned at 1929. Now, obviously, flappers and but, True, but yeah. nudists. Gold star mm-hmm. for the name, though. I mean, <laughs> really. Are they allowed? Are they getting arrested? Are they in trouble? It was for like... probably all male and all female, right? I'm sure wow, it was pretty know. segregated. Maybe yeah. we should do a whole show on this. There you mm. go. We should investigate more. There you go, uh, you go I, right on that I one. I wonder if it's still around. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Um, some things I just couldn't could never do. Uh, 1932, German physicist Albert Einstein is granted a visa to enter the U.S. Okay. I hear he's pretty smart. And and we know why, too. Yes, indeed. And thank yeah. goodness he did. Yes. Uh, 1945. The aircraft squad, an aircraft squadron, disappears in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Along with the Mary Celeste. It's like spooky Mm. day or something. Mm. Uh, 1955, the historic bus boycott begins in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm. I had that one. Way to go. Led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. Here, here. 1974, the final episode of Monty Python's Flying Circus airs on BBC. (laughs) Fans? (laughs) No. Yeah. I kind of thought maybe you would be. Yeah. I figured you would not be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 1974, NFL's Seattle Seahawks form. Oh, okay. Not a fan. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did that one for her. Yeah. Uh, 2013, Nelson Mandela dies at oh, 95. Wow. Way to yeah. go, though. 95. Yeah. After 27 but years in prison. prison. Yeah. Mm. So probably he's really like. Physically, he's probably like 130 mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point for what they did to him. Amazing. But our history highlight the thing, the thing I think had the most impact on history, 1933, the 21st Amendment is ratified, prohibition ends. After how <laughs> it had a huge impact. Yeah, right. Whiskey. <laughs> yes. Whiskey. We Somehow are that's all. a theme today. There's our Circle theme. Right how did that become a theme? <laughs> that was a good one. That's what I missed. There's just one, and it's dated back to 1484, oh, which I never go back that yeah. far. This was Pope. Innocent, the eighth, issues a bill deploring the spread of witchcraft and heresy in Germany. Yeah. Germany. Yeah. Bad. That's but when they started why just burning women. Uh, yes, we've talked about witchcraft before, which is always focused on women or mm-hmm. people who are different mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or who are labeled different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I also thought it was ironic that the name, the Pope's name was Innocent. Pope Innocent. Yeah. <laughs> Not me, the other guy. <laughs> yep. Right. So in 1484, I mean, it's... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? A, we have some despicable stuff and we have some fabulous stuff. Yes. And we have a, a fabulous woman here in the oh. room. So <laughs> See, that's a much better segue. I'm like, how do we go from Pope Innocent and witchcraft? <laughs> well, because not good. I don't think witches are bad at all because I do think yeah. that witches right. have a different side of their that's story. That's true. Very true. Yeah. And, and one of the songs I like to play ends with, and there's a little witch in every woman today. It's <laughs> You know, the whole Wizard of Oz thing, yeah. the good witch and the mm-hmm. bad witch. Yeah, that was the problem. Witches were too powerful, the women. And exactly. So, That's yeah. right. You know that. I do. Yeah. I hear you. It's yeah. threatening to the uh, the male ego. It is, <laughs> yes. And then the way, you know, that the history does get written down is... Yep. His is interesting. Yeah. You, you, know <laughs> what, you know what always bothered me, though, about the Wizard of Oz is at the end... Oh, you had the power all along. Mm-hmm. You didn't tell me that at the beginning. I could have just gone home. Right? I could have avoided those scary flying monkeys. <laughs> Isn't that a fantastic lesson? We talk about mindfulness. Woo, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Carol, you you have have had people listening to you for years and years and years and years, but I don't know if people really know your background and how you came to be here and and why you you're involved in all the things you're involved in. So. Tell us a little bit about your background. I'm I'm chuckling because you said people listening to me. That doesn't mean they hear Mm. or they pay attention, but they (laughs) hear me. You know, it's it's on the radio. Yeah. Well, actually, I came in uh, to visit in July of '74 and moved here in September of 1974. And people say, "Well, how long have you lived in Astoria?" Never. 
How about Portland? Never. Directly Brooklyn to Brownsmead. Well, I wasn't in Brooklyn anymore, but I was born in Brooklyn, New mm. York, that is, of course. Mm. And um, why? How? Two words. A man. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's how I got here. Because my partner at those times had a very good friend in Brownsmead who is still a very good friend of mine. And I'm glad to say I returned the favor because I introduced Ted Messing to Cheryl Johnson. Oh, my gosh. So we came to visit Ted and ended up staying. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, not that long, I introduced him to Cheryl, and they've been married ever since. Oh. So... So well, I want to get into Brooklyn a little bit, but <laughs> but what were your impressions of Brownsmead and oh, what made you, you oh, fall in love with it? I, it was immediate. When I was a kid, I mean, really young, um, my family, my parents were both in the teaching profession. And uh, so they had summer off, except that my dad taught summer session three weeks. So for four or five years, my brothers and I are still disputing that, <laughs> we went partly to Vermont, and we stayed on a non-working farm because the barn had burned down, so it wasn't working, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it. My mother and I would pick vegetables behind the house, and the woman of the house would cook them up for dinner. It was our family and another family rented rooms from them, and... It was just so beautiful. My brothers and I would go up the road and uh, to the farm that still had cows, got to milk cows by hand, <laughs> got to swim in Tickle Naked Pond. That was the name of it. <laughs> I didn't, I don't think there was anybody naked in there, but what did I know? And um, I felt like I always wanted to live there. But I grew up in Brooklyn, in I wouldn't call it the city. It was a two-family house. We lived upstairs. My parents rented for 45 years. Mm. And uh, so that was such a blessing. So here we are. We come to Brownsmead. First of all, we couldn't find Ted because the signs took us to the post office, <laughs> which, of course, doesn't exist anymore. But we eventually get there. As soon as I got into Brownsmead, I looked around and went, oh, my God. God, this is my dream. And it was. And it still is. Did it, did it remind you of Vermont? Was, it, was it, there similarities? It was the, the rolling hills. Okay. Everything is bigger here. You know, the trees are higher. But it was, it was country. It was real country. Not suburban. Not just driving by. We went in and farms and dairies and people out in the fields and walking on the roads, roads, not streets, no sidewalks. And it just filled my heart. Mm -hmm. I. It sounds just like it is now. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I feel extraordinarily fortunate to be there. I say, you know, I must have done something right in my last life <laughs> because my karma turned really good to uh, like most people, of course, never heard of Brownsmead. <laughs> my father grew up in 
I think it was Brownsville in Brooklyn, but not Brownsmead, <laughs> Meadow, or perhaps it was going back to the whiskey theme, maybe right. it was Mead. <laughs> so where in Vermont was this farm? This not Rygate. Rygate, near okay. Barry, B-A-R-R-E. Yep. All right. Good, I'm glad you know, because quite frankly, I would have to look on a map at this point. At that, in those days, we drove in the car. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to my two brothers, Bob and Donnie, about this, because we all had names. Well, they did. I got carsick, so I had to sit by the window. But they would talk. My mother gave everybody a name. and You know, Lorac, I was Lorac Clagg, which is, I'll tell you the secret, Carol Gale. Oh, my name, but they had they had strange names, you know. Uh, I don't know scientific names because my mom was involved in that, and uh, it kept the ride pleasant for everyone except sure. me, who was <laughs> needing to stop the car and get out. But so, so I, I find people that have never been to New York City mm. have an image of New York City that's really Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So talk a little about Brooklyn and growing up there. Well, you know, it's funny because um, I was born in Brooklyn and uh, left for college at 16, which many of us did because we they tried to push kids through school because so, there were too many of us. And um, then after college, I came back and spent a summer there, worked for Project Head Start, the very first one, it's oh. a summertime program. That was back in 1965. And then got a one-way trip ticket and traveled and hitchhiked all over. When I came back eventually to New York, I lived in Manhattan, 108th and Riverside Drive. Okay. So the difference was enormous because Manhattan for me was you come out of the subway and you look up and you just keep looking up because all these tall buildings. Brooklyn, where I lived, were all houses, two family houses. They were right next, there was a driveway between them, but um, maybe a little garden in front and in back. We were the tenants upstairs. We didn't even have a garden, although my mother would always potchkey in the garden because she loved to do that. But um, it was... uh, you could play ball in the streets, which my brothers did, and the school was four houses away. My elementary school walked to high. elementary school, and then junior high was four short blocks, and high school was four long blocks, mm-hmm. and we walked everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did have a car, but it's and my father would drive to go shopping and uh, take me to dance lessons, my ballet lessons, and. Um, but in Hebrew school, stuff like that. But it was, it was living. It was not being surrounded by tall buildings right. and uh, so many people. But you know what's weird about that is I always wanted, when I was little, I wanted to live in an apartment building because when the rain and the snow came, the kids could play with each other because they lived upstairs and downstairs, whereas we had to go and find our friends. We did. We found them. We built snowmen and stuff. But I wanted to live in an apartment. Little did I know how lucky I was. Right. You know, to have my own bedroom and all this kind of stuff. A house, yes, in New York. Yeah. And so you went to college, and then you came back and you went and you started working at Head Start. What were, I mean, what led you to those, to even just go to college? I mean, that was a decision Mm. you were making with your family? Well, actually, my parents were both professors. Okay. So um, 
there was never any question about college. It was part of the thing. My two older brothers went off. But I thought I was going to have to stay and go to Brooklyn College, where my parents taught, um, because it was expensive college, and my brothers both went away. And then I discovered that universities have different colleges, and some of them are free. Now, it's not really free because you have to pay for room and board and stuff, but it's a heck of a lot less. Of course, college wasn't anything the way it is now. You guys know cost. But I, um, I applied to several, and I knew I really did want to go somewhere else because my family did travel. Not a lot. You know, we went to Vermont, and we went to Florida one time with my brothers and I all slept sideways on a bed, you know, in one of those <laughs> hotels. But travel was part of it. And being separate from my parents, if I was going to go to Brooklyn College, they would have been there. You know, right. <laughs> not, not, not the best. So I went and um, I went upstate New York um, to Cornell. And I was, um, I was young. But I already had my folk dancing, and I thought, like a lot of girls did, that I would probably go into teaching or social work. Mm -hmm. And um, four years later, when I was, actually three years later, I took a semester in Detroit, and I was gone when those applications were supposed to go in for graduate school, so I very neatly skipped that. So when I graduated college, Project Head Start was there. I had a degree in child development, got a job, and it was summer. And um, then I found this little advertisement in the New York Times. It said, budget boat to Europe. And it was $180, I think. And I said, yes. Wow. And so my parents were gone that summer. When they came back, I said, no, I'm not going to. I had taken lots of exams so that I could have taught school. I could have been civil servant. I also was accepted into VISTA. I wanted to go into the Peace Corps, but my mother managed to talk me out of it. So I got into VISTA. But that wanderlust was still with me. Mm -hmm. So I bought that one-way ticket to Europe. I didn't know the reason it was cheap was that it was um, uh, the last time that ship made a trip. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and remember that car sick I was talking oh. about? Yeah. So I was horrifically seasick for three days violent mm. could only eat olives with oh. salt and stuff and then I got over it and I uh, spent almost three years traveling hitchhiking and oh, wow. um, and um, what were some of your favorite places that you visited oh for many many reasons many places <laughs> I lived actually in Turkey for a year and three days that was a whole nother story we won't mm. even go into that that was a learning experience though cast my eyes down, wore grays and browns. This is in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, didn't touch my, my partner at the time. We'd never held hands or anything because. So, um, but 
I really thought at some point, I loved Denmark and I loved being in Israel. I, I did speak Hebrew. Okay. I had learned it. It was gone when I got there. But languages come back if they're in you. And so, so I thought, you know, I could live in one of these places. Why not? Why am I going to go back to the States? I never lived um, as an adult in the States. After mm -hmm. college, head start, I stayed at my parents' house. And so I um, thought, I better go back to the States and find out. Hitchhiking all the way up to the Lofoten Islands mm -hmm. in uh, up through, um, I was, it was up through Norway, up in the Lofoten yeah. Islands, back down through Finland, and then, of course, Denmark and Sweden. I loved it all. Uh, but I thought, I better find out why. I went back to the States, and the next thing I did was connect and go off to Nova Scotia and live there for two years as a research assistant. Uh -huh. So it was perfect compromise, and I'm still very connected with Nova Scotia. Nouvelle Ecosse, the uh, Acadian people especially there. So... See, I it's, knew there was going to be a background of adventure <laughs> here. Oh, my goodness. I've been very, very lucky. But it's um, partly because my parents forgot to say, you can't do this. You can't do that. They forgot. And That's so good. I didn't know. And, I, and did they encourage like this? I mean, were they supportive of, of this? Oh, or were they My mother threatened a heart attack if I, <laughs> if I didn't come back, you know, at a certain point. I said... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't come back quite yet. She didn't have a heart attack, thank goodness. <laughs> um, my parents were travelers, too. They were curious people. and It was just, there was so much culture. And, um, and being in New York uh, was part of it, too. There was a lot yeah. of different. And coming out here was quite different because uh, as a Jewish person from New York, it was no big deal. And then I came here. Not, not a local temple. No, <laughs> not even close. And it was quite a, quite a learning experience. Plus, being a woman, you know, mm -hmm. I, my mother was a professor. My father's mother was, was a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. Never occurred to me that women didn't have the same, right. you know, life as men. It wasn't a competition. It was just we do what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And then I learned about that. When I came here in the mid-70s, I started learning about Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you get involved then here? I mean, knowing that you had all of this experience and all mm. these stories to share, what direction did you go and that helped well, you stay here? You chose to stay. I, um, the, the staying here is my heart. This is a heart home. No, Nova Scotia is too, but this is 48 years later. Um, I started teaching folk dancing at the college because there wasn't any. They had square dance class, but there wasn't any folk dance, international folk dance. Oh, I taught at Columbia for a while. Mm -hmm. So I had that experience. And of course, I'd been dancing all kinds of dance all my life. But um, uh, including at Cornell, Balkan dancing came in just when I got there. It's, by come in, I mean, it became popular. Yeah. And so all of that. But um, also, I started working at the co-op. I became one of the day managers in 1976. Oh, there were wow. six of us. We each had a day. We were paid 75 cents worth of food credit per hour. Per Big hour. Time. Okay. Sa per hour. Same, as, uh, same as the 
cheese cutters and the mm-hmm. floor sweepers, everybody. Yeah. It was a dream, but it wasn't quite uh, possible so, in the later years. Right. <laughs> so we probably should have made this a two or three part- parter yeah. because I wanted to give you a chance, but, but we've only got about a minute left right. to talk about some of the other organizations that you're involved in because you're involved in a lot of stuff. So Well, KMUN I, is such a huge part of my life. I was going to say it's like yeah. picking your favorite child, but yeah. <laughs> is KMUN your, your... KMUN is part VOCA. Uh, Victory over child abuse became a very big part and was involved from the beginning. Not so much now because there's so much, um, but I'm supportive. And um, all kinds of arts and culture, anything that enriches people and teaches me, and then I can turn and share that teaching with kids all over the state, teaching folk dance and international culture. Just um, the open heart. Open mind, open ears, open eyes. It's um, the only way to live. And it's, I'm also very involved in politics, which anybody who knows me knows. Um, <laughs> very well, poetic. Thank you so much. And we do appreciate what you've brought to our community. Um, thank you. Yes. So thank you. Very and thank you for bringing you. that, we that are, light. We are going to have to have you back at some point here. <laughs> we will. Well, this Thanks. was fun. You guys are fun. I could tell on the radio, but now I can tell We do have fun. Well, great. Well, thanks for listening. Go make some history, and we will catch you next week. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.